Ready, Dave? Uh, hey, everybody. Wow, that was a loud one. <laughs> yeah. um, sorry, the music was kind of loud in me and Dave's headphones. So we were making very straining faces at each other. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Uh, so, hi, I'm Jordan Cooper. This, uh, my friend here is uh, Sketchy Galore. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of saying that last night. And it, uh, I made it happen. Cool. And uh, no, my friend here is Dave Fox. What do you, do you prefer Dave or David? Oh, I think you know the answer to that. Dave. Dave. I haven't been David... Since the unpleasantness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're reborn. Um, do you like that movie, Dave? Did you see it? We don't all see movies that are just named after us, Jordan. All right. Well, there's no Jordan movie, is there? No, it's not a good name. No. Uh, so what is this episode, of, uh, Dave? Do you <laughs> what, is, what is the name of the podcast? Oh, this is Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants. And uh, that, that's a mouthful, but that's the name of the show. And um, uh, Dave, yes. Uh, this what is this episode? Because in this episode, we're going to sum up some miscellaneous tea uh, extra threads. Yes. Maybe make a miscellaneous T-shirt. Yeah. From those we're gonna, threads. We're gonna take those threads. Yeah, I, I like to call it the wrap down. So yeah, um, since recording the miscellaneous tea episode, which was you know a few weeks ago. I just had more thoughts about the songs and we got a lot of emails about the songs and a lot of various people <laughs> messaging. Full disclosure, we're a little backed up with the emails yeah. at this point. And more emails means that you guys care. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I'll say right off the bat, thank you for the emails. So a couple miscellaneous tea issues that we have to discuss. Some of it are corrections. I guess, do we have the correct? Well, see, it's me doing a correction. So your, your theme song won't work. Dave. Right. But I can do it anyway. <laughs> do you want me to say the correction like I was the one that fucked up? Yeah, yeah. Do it. Okay. <laughs> well, we haven't done this in a while, but it's time for Dave's Retractions. Dave, hey, Dave, hey, wait. Uh, what, what did I fuck up? <laughs> so, so Dave, it really was, it was really both of us, um, me or me. Um, how, how dare you? So we both were, were saying that the sample in Lady is a Tramp, I'll play the clip here. We were saying, it's them saying, well, do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it sounds like, well, yeah. Um, we had a lot of people go like, it doesn't sound like, well, it's the word tramp. And it's like that dress. Did yes. I say that before? <laughs> no, <laughs> you didn't, but it's true. Um, or, I, that, or that sample of that sound. Yeah. Um, I can't explain to the listeners why I heard the word well but for most too. of my life. And Dave too, exactly. So who's crazy now? Yeah, but so our, our good buddy, John Ulis, you know, he, he helps, he contributes vastly to the TMBW site. He gave me a link to where the, the sample is from, which is, you know, if you know this podcast, this is very exciting for me. So I never knew this. The sample is from the song Tramp by Otis Redding and Carla Thomas. And let me just give you a little information about the song, which, by the way, you know, I've not heard of until this moment. The song originates in 1967 by, I like crediting the writer, Lowell Folson and Jimmy McCracklin. Because we forget that singers often don't write their own music. Yeah. So then this song was recorded by Otis Redding with Carla Thomas in 1967. 
for their album called King and Queen. It's like a little duet album. I think those are kind of cute. Do they still do those anymore? Uh, Lady Gaga did that duet album with um, that guy. Oh, my God. Who, um, Brian Wilson? Oh, my God. No, I'm just <laughs> blinking on his name. He's a very famous guy. You guys all know who it is. Tom Cruise? <laughs> so anyway, we are going to play a clip from this song, which Flansburg must have taken to, because he uses this clip in Lady is a Tramp. Tramp. What you call me? Tramp. You don't wear continental clothes or Stetson hats. But I tell you one doggone thing, it makes me feel good to know one thing. I know I'm a Tony Bennett. <laughs> okay. So the second tramp in that song at three seconds is, it sounds like it's sp- pitched up or maybe sped up and pitched up or one or the other, right? Yeah. Uh, and Lady is a Tramp. Tramp. Uh, that's super crazy and interesting to me. I, so weird. I didn't think we could add more to our like 48 minutes about Lady is a <laughs> Tramp, but that would have been a nice little chunk at the end of that. You yeah. know, where were you guys then? Yeah. <laughs> that brings up a point. Um, you know, when people like send us like corrections or additions to stuff, I'm very mixed feeling because part of part of my reaction is, God damn it, <laughs> I wish it was in the show yeah. forever. I wish it was part of that segment because I my my goal for the show is that these are like the definitive audio segments about these songs. Um, at least some of them. I mean, some are just me and you kind of talking about them, but for the ones where I really densely research them at least. Yeah. And part of it is like this, in, in, I'm insanely grateful. Thank you for telling me about this sample because I didn't know that and I never really would have known that. Well, it's like the Buddha says, Jordan, uh, life is suffering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can really boil it all down to that. Sometimes you got to just let stuff go. Yeah. So, but I do want to thank John and all the other people. We got a lot of emails and people messaging like things about miscellaneous tea. It's, it's, it's very welcome, but I do admit a little, <laughs> I get a little like frustrated that I didn't know, or I didn't, you know, I think you're too hard on yourself. I am very hard on myself. So that's more about ladies, a tramp. Uh, I guess we're going to go through these other things here. I had more to say about it's not my birthday and go on. So this is going to come up a lot. And we got a lot of emails about it's not my birthday. Yes, we did. And I was like, what? It's not my birthday. All these wonderful emails. Well, I still think I had the definitive interpretation. Was that it was about a witch? No, that was birds. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dave thinks Everything's all about a witch. Yeah. Um, They're after me. Yeah. Well, actually, I really liked that segment. I mean, not to toot our own horse, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, title of the episode. I really like, I really like the it's not my birthday segment. And it, it, you know, I managed to kind of cobble it together from our <laughs> like crazy long conversation about it. But there's something that I regret not mentioning, which I guess I could say it wasn't totally in my head, but I feel like it was kind of in my head subconsciously. What I love about that song. So we're talking about, it's like this guy and, and maybe in the second verse, he kind of he kind of like falls away from himself. It's, it's kind of like an astral projection idea, but not quite, but he, he kind of sees, he kind of reduces himself down to like pure purity, like mm-hmm. his pure water. Uh, in my view, it was without alcohol. It's like, he's kind of being optimistic. He's like, I can be without the alcohol. Mm-hmm. There'll be no proof. You know, uh, my girlfriend said, thought it was the opposite. She thought he's like turning into like an alcohol drop because that's all he's, he's good for or whatever. Uh, she had a more negative view of the song, yeah. um, which is fair enough. It's, I don't think it's a happy song. So here's what I love though about, about that second verse, which I neglected to mention at the end of that verse, 
the, you know, there'll be no percentage, there'll be no proof. The sound upon the roof is only water, which is himself. And then we cycle back to the first verse and the rain falls down without my help, I'm afraid. I see. So a lot of times in a song, they'll be like third verse, same as the first, right? And you kind of go, you might roll your eyes like, oh, give me some new lyrics, yeah. man. Like violent femmes do that a lot. And they acknowledge that a lot, yeah. I notice. <laughs> and it's just kind of like violent femmes kind of do this purposefully simplistic lyric style in a lot of songs. Not all their songs, but a lot of them. In this case, it's like anything but simplistic. The idea is that we're cycling back. Yeah. It's, we're trapped in this. We're continuing the circle. The water cycle, water landing on the roof, evaporating, becoming water again. And and it reflects the cycle that he might be in yeah. or she. <laughs> the, it reflects she. the cycle that this alcoholic might be in. Of If they're I'm, an alcoholic. I'm going to clean myself up. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to be back in that drink tank and then I'm yeah. going to resolve to clean myself up again. And these are like patterns we all can relate to and all these things. And like, like right now me and my yeah. girlfriend have been like cleaning the apartment really well, like, like super well. And I'm like, I just hope this doesn't become a cycle of then we stop and then it all piles up. You know what I mean? Me and my girlfriend are both very left brain. So to be organized and clean is, is hmm. not easy. Um, we're, but we're both kind of Linnells and <laughs> I wish we were Flansburgs. You know what I mean? So Dave, Dave, what do you think about that though? Uh, my, my, my thought there about, you know, sound upon the roof is only water. And then that water is falling down on his roof. And then he's a person again, being, he hears the rain falling down. Oh, it's definitely about someone trapped in some kind of negative behavior. And that definitely illustrates that point. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I and the use, that. the use of re redoing the lyrics again, but this time you, it's, well, you look at them in a different way. It's now. a slightly different yeah. context uh, because now you're like, the rain was him. It's almost like the flash, like time travel stories <laughs> where it's like he created the lightning that, that made him. I didn't resign interstellar. Well, spoiler alert. <laughs> well, I think I have a lot of time travel stories. <laughs> the flash is in it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, now I will see it. Um, but a lot of time travel stories are like these self-fulfilling paradoxes. And so I think it's not my birthday. Like no joke. I, I think that's really what's going on. I don't mean time travel, but I just mean. Well, Linnell does that kind of storytelling in his lyrics a lot 2082 right right yeah that's a more right, that's right. a more literal yeah. uh example of that um i'm excited to talk about that song but uh and, know, in 10 years yeah. <laughs> but I palindrome i stuff like that yeah i palindrome i exactly and i think we even brought it up a little bit in that episode that the circular idea yeah. of the song but we didn't really point out that like he's really emphasizing it by going literally back to that first yeah. verse and then you're just kind of stuck in the song so I really wanted to talk about that and we will talk about it's not my birthday more. Oh, one more thing is my girlfriend walked into the room the other day and she was like, oh, you didn't mention that not the only dust my mother raised is about raising a dust, which is a phrase that means causing a problem. Yeah, I saw somebody else. Uh, so then we got a bunch of tweets about that. Yeah. And I was like, I was going to say that. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll- I never heard that phrase. Me neither. But it's bullshit. I'll give credit to my girlfriend, Kristen, for, for kind of saying that. And then literally like two days later, there was a bunch of tweets about it. I think that's a fake saying. I never heard of it. So yeah, so not the only dust my, my mother raised being a pun on causing, you know, not the only problem my mother raised. Like I'm like, I'm not, yeah. there's more problems than just me. And you could interpret that as like, maybe he has a whole family of alcoholics, or maybe you can interpret that there's like 
the whole world is gonna explode like in the first, you know, beginning yeah. of the song. There's other, like, why are we worrying about my alcoholism when like the whole planet is gonna crumble? The other thing that's kind of funny that happened is, uh, so some of the fan questions on the Tumblr that Flansburg runs mm -hmm. will reflect stuff we talked about. <laughs> really? Yeah. And Do you think there's a direct correlation? Yes. Well, part of it, so our- Because I don't look at the Tumblr much. I have a Facebook friend, Mike. I don't know if he wants me to say his whole name, Mike Mike B. Deuteronomy. And he was messaging me about the another child is born in India mm -hmm. thing. And if you go to, and then I, he's like, oh, might be a good question for the Tumblr. And then he asked. So I'll tell you what Flansberg said on the Tumblr about. Wow. <laughs> yeah. This thing's getting out of control. So he, you know, he asked on the Tumblr, was that something you said at the end of the dial a song, which we didn't pause it, but I think that's very possible. Flansberg says, I have no recollection of it, but my guess is we said those taglines after the song played on the outgoing message. It's a pretty reckless thing to say, but like a lot of our improvised lines, it was done with very little forethought. <laughs> we're actually going to hear one of those later when we talk about uh, some of the songs. The other thing we're going to do in this episode before we continue, uh, this is like the Lincoln- it's Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> like the, I have nothing to say that. <laughs> like the Lincoln wrap down episode, we're going to talk about some of the demos and dial a songs that yeah. led up to Miscellaneous Tea. And we're only going to talk about a few of them because there's not that many. And we're going to leave out some that we plan to cover in the future. So don't get uh, confused sad. or mad or sad uh, because we will cover literally everything. Mm. Literally everything. OMG. <laughs> Are uh, you referencing something? No, I'm just are being. You having a stroke? I'm just being me. <laughs> just, just doing you. I'm just doing me. The other thing I want to just mention is I had played a clip of Flansburg talking about the I'll Sink Manhattan graffiti. Remember that, yes. Dave? I actually was listening to a bunch of '80s shows, and so the clip I played was from like a fairly later show, from like the late '90s when they did that song. But I found a clip from like the year they made that song, like 87, 88. Yes. And he, he says the same thing, but oh, this time wow. he's more specific. And he says the band is Sink Manhattan, hmm. not all. And I'll play the clip very quickly. And it's real bad quality. So try to listen carefully. No, this song is called I'll Sink Manhattan. And it's actually based on a, uh, a thing that I saw written on a wall that said Sink Manhattan. Now I find out that they're playing here in a couple of weeks. They're a band from Manhattan. I thought it was just like a, a feeling or a vibe. Now I know that we're going to be sued. The theme song of the band, Sick Manhattan. But I thought that was interesting because it's like furthered my, because I was like, is it the same? It's probably the same band. Like I was 99% right. sure. Now I'm 100% sure because of this clip. And it's also cool to hear him talk about this band a little more. And Dave, I have one more little clip I want to play uh, that relates. I don't believe it. <laughs> that relates to the biggest one. I just remember we talked about that song is a very like Brooklyn apartment kind of song with staring at the pipes. Yeah. Uh, in this live show from February 24th, 1989 at the Puck Building, the Puck Building <laughs> in New York, New York, uh, Flansburg had this to say on stage. <laughs> the one-day anniversary of the fixing of my cold water in my kitchen sink. So, it's been broken for three years, so I'm feeling very good today. I finally been able to clean my dishes. So I'd like to thank you all for coming to the show. 
He says, it's the one day anniversary of the fixing of my cold water in my kitchen sink. <laughs> and I was like, you know, this is not too long after, you know, the biggest one came out. I thought that was kind of funny. It's Flansburg's mindset of pipes and <laughs> we're, this is going to be a long through line. We're going to track for years in this podcast. So you think that confirms us thinking that he's just staring at the pipes? I while... think, I think he's a, he's a pipe starer. I think he's a pipe guy. He's a pipe guy. So I, I think that's most of the catch up that I have about miscellaneous tea. We're going to get to the, yeah. the meat of this, which is like, we're going to, we're going to go through a couple, just a couple miscellaneous tea, dial a songs and demos. Nice. And we can talk, I, my idea for when we do this is to kind of have it be this like running thread about dial a song. Cause dial a song is like this huge, huge thing in the, in the band. Yeah, Tell we, the story of we dial have a, song. A, a thing called dial a song. That's something that we've been running out of John's kitchen for the past 18 or 19, help me out, fellas, 25, 40 years. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, was a, I, I don't know. It was, a, it was a 38 World's Fair, I think, is when it was debuted. Right, yeah. It was in the Hall of the Future. <laughs> um, when Alexander Graham Bell first yeah. said, I need you, yeah. it was going into your <laughs> yeah, kitchen. Right, exactly. Right. Was, okay. Uh, Flansy, I need you. Graham. <laughs> so the thing that was that must have been fun at the time for fans for dial a song is, is, you know, you'd call up and you'd hear a song and then maybe like a year later, you'll hear it on an album. Right. Right. And we experienced this a little bit right. when like the spine was being made and, and mink car and stuff like that. But even the ones that we heard when we called were pretty full sounding yeah, like for years now. And this is a big topic, but they've seen kind of done with sharing the rough demos with the fans, mm. which is, very sad for, mm -hmm. for me because that's like my favorite thing because... Do you think they got more self-conscious about that or just was like, we don't have time to put <laughs> up every little goddamn thing? It, I think it's kind of like me in this podcast. I think Flansburg's standards for how their music yeah, sounds yeah. has grown insanely. Me in this podcast too. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's an example. First episode's garbage. So, yeah, it is. So, College Town. It's great. It's yeah. great. <laughs> so, College Town. Uh, the only song left off of My Murdered Remains and yeah. Phone Power. Mm -hmm. Why? I noticed some people on the Facebook were kind of really upset about this because I, personally, I love College Town. Uh, I, I wasn't that crazy about Dave's it. Dave's not crazy about yeah. College Town. I, I think it's like a really nice, I, I kind of like lately when their songs are kind of simple and kind of sad and mm -hmm. not, not too overtly clever, weirdly. Um, and I've noticed Flansburg doing that a lot lately, which I, I like. It's, it's I don't like, think it was bad or anything. I just didn't. Uh, <laughs> Dave's in the hot seat. It wasn't a standout among that group. I'm shining a lamp in Dave's face. <laughs> what didn't you like about College Town? Well, so, well, I liked it. Well, here's my point. I liked it enough that I wouldn't mind seeing it released on one of these albums, right? And when someone asked Flansburg on Tumblr about this, he, he was like, Oh, that's a demo that I wasn't too happy with. Mm. And my reaction, as were a couple fans I talked to, was like, that's a demo? It sounds like a studio yeah, recording. Yeah. <laughs> And I even listened again after that. And I was like, I still don't hear how this is a demo. This sounds... The, everything's standards are so high for everything lately. Yeah. The technology is too good with all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, listen to our show. We're... Look at, listen <laughs> to us. We sound great. 
Um, <laughs> so I guess my point is it used to be that their demos were a lot more um, quaint and yeah. rough. Not that they'd have mistakes or anything, but they'd be very, they'd be a little more simple and a little more, the you know, you can, a little bit of hiss on the old recording there. Yeah. And I just love that. And I think those days are gone forever, Jordan. Yeah. You can never get them back. Well, what's crazy is they, they still must have some rough home demos that they, they like, let's say they just don't have the time to flesh out. They'll flesh this out later in the studio. I, you know, I would still be, op- I would still love to hear that stuff. Well, I even, I'm starting to get self-conscious even about like putting, you know, sketches from my, ske- I don't really sketch much, but sketchbook sketches and just stuff that's like not finished. Cause I'm just like. Yeah, because people post art to Tumblr that looks like finished you know, like comic book cover art yeah. or whatever, like fan art. And, but it's like, oh, it's colored and inked. and. <laughs> like I started keeping a sketchbook again lately because I thought I was like getting too concerned with what other people were saying or that my standards for my, myself were getting up too high. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, let's see the process. But I think it's just part and parcel of everybody being able to comment on everything in real time now. That's and, a big part of it. And it's just like everybody sees everything and... You know, do you think that Flansburg thinks that if one of the weekly dial of songs was a of the old style of a rough demo, like there'd be a bunch of YouTube comments like, what is this shit? I th- <laughs> yeah, I think he does think that. maybe like doing these dial song years like 2018 and 2015, where we're putting out a new song every week. It's really a lot of work and they're not demos, you know, they're, like they're full blown recordings. So like maybe we could like figure out a way to do stuff that's like more like sketchy. But, but I don't know if that would work. Like, you know, with social media, like, you know, the comments can be like, you put out like some, you know, casually done thing. People are like, have these guys lost it? Like, I don't know. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's hard to know how to do it. And I think it would be split because I mm. think it would be a lot of like maybe newer fans or, pe- or younger fans that are used to like a, mm. maybe a higher standard. And then there would be the older fans like, no, we want to hear all the, you know, cracks yeah. and yeah. crinkles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cracks me, and crinkles. To me, it's like, it's it just shows the humanity and it shows the creative process. Yeah, I don't want to show my humanity anymore. <laughs> what little I had left. But so back in the day, especially in the eighties, uh, Dial Song was full of of rough, weird little songs that yeah. were were not fleshed out. Some of them were just recorded live to the phone as the message, and some were clearly demos with more going on. You know, multi tracked, which those are my favorite because it's cool to hear Flansburg just strumming a guitar and doing mm-hmm. a song, but. When you hear like these dial a song demos, which we're about to hear, that have like that's drums, bass, yeah. synths, like what I want to hear it because is, there's clearly all this work done for it. That is, you know, how we originally started demoing our stuff. When Flansburg came up with the idea of dial a song, and I desperately tried to talk him out of it, it, <laughs> it evolved into something where we take our demos and put them on the phone, and that, that would be the very first public airing of anything that we did so all the material that we've ever done pretty much has begun its life on dial a song and eventually either been thrown away and forgotten or or wound up on a record and uh, performed live and stuff like that so i mean everything sort of comes out of dial a song in that sense so we've got two hey mr dj i thought you said we had a deals uh one of them is Pretty different yeah. than what ended up on Miscellaneous T. And the other one, I suspect, is the same <laughs> recording. I suspect, too. Yes. Um, we're putting on our monocles, and we're both suspecting I'm things. taking off one of my monocles. Yes. What do you think I'm of giving that? Giving it to me. We're the monocle bros. It's our new podcast. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> let's listen <laughs> to... 
Oh, wait, wait um, to, pri- to provide a little more context, again, these uh, fans have been passing bootlegs of these old Dial a Songs for years. If anyone's like, how the hell does he have this? Yeah, I don't know, folks. The- these were on Power of Dial a Song, Power, Power of Dial a Song 2, Free When You Call From Work. We talked about that last time, but as we've discovered, people aren't listening to the podcast in order, so... Uh, Listen in order. If you're a miscellaneous tea head and you're only listening (laughs) to the miscellaneous tea episodes, uh, a lot of the fans have passed along these these dial a song bootlegs, which were uh, you know very grateful for, especially the ones that are really well recorded, (laughs) which has come up a lot. You'll hear that uh, right now with "Hey Mr. DJ" version one. Let me hear that. Never see my way to the top Cause my alarm clock always wakes me right up And since my options have been whittled away I struck a bargain with my radio DJ I said I really wanna be number one He said I really, really wanna help you, my son So, Dave, let's get your... There's a lot of differences. Yeah, let's get your first and final impressions Uh. on Hey Mr. DJ. I thought you said we had a deal. Version one, dial a song. There's a lot to... There's a lot that's different. I'm, yes. Uh, that whistling sound is a lot more whistly. I love that little synth. I yeah. think it's it's very, it's kind of adorable. I always thought this version was very cute sounding. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it might be, some of that cuteness might just be the phone quality, kind of dilutes everything to sound kind of small and, and dinky. Um, maybe the real version rocks hard and you can't tell. But I always thought this version was like very adorable and pleasant. And that little synth, something I didn't notice until today, though, is that the the little um, the xylophone synth is still there. Mm-hmm. So it's really quiet, but the, it is still there. So that was an early idea for the song. So I don't think there's any guitar. Right. Right. It seems like this. So this sounds like Linnell's home demo. You know, yeah. Whereas the other version, which we'll get to, is like a, a full arrangement. That the record wouldn't have to be hot. Cause no one ever seems to care if it's not. It would depend on something else that I've got. And that everyone who's given it a shot has gone and made the world their oyster. And that everybody has forgiven themselves. They know the net rewards to justify the colossal. Okay, so we have to talk about the one big lyric change. <laughs> in the song. I like it. Yeah, Dave, what do you think about this this, uh, lyric? I'm pro-oyster. Yeah. So instead of saying to see a modest sum grow geometrically, geometrically, which is a very Linnellian nerdy line. So he says, everyone who'd given it a shot has gone and made the world their oyster. You think you like that more than to see a modest sum grow geometrically? Yeah, I think I can relate more to oysters. (laughs) Yeah. What I like about modest sum grow geometrically is that it kind of hammers home the the bureaucratic, yeah, yeah. depressing, gray kind of business behind the music. Because you've, in one sense, you've got the spirit of art and music and life, life, Dave. And then on the other side, you've got like someone in a suit hold, looking at a graph with all, you know, you see this line going geometrically up. But so I, I do think it was an improvement. I have to say, it's pretty adorable to hear Linnell say, <laughs> say made the world their oyster. I agree. Hey, Mr. DJ, I thought we had a deal. I thought you said you scratch my back and I'll scratch your record. And I thought we had a deal. I thought we had a deal. 
Got that big uh, keyboard slide. Yeah, I love the key. <laughs> I didn't notice that till yeah. just now. Uh, the big keyboard slide is pretty awesome. Yeah. It's kind of sh- shows like the frustration, <laughs> right? And yeah, so let's talk about the chorus a little. Um, totally different timing for the words. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is something Linnell has, has said he's pretty obsessed with. He said that in that book that I bought <laughs> yeah. that has like three pages of a Linnell interview in it. Seems like he simplified the chorus a little bit. So, okay, so the, the real chorus, <laughs> the real one is... Hey, Mr. TJ, I thought you said we had a deal. And this one is, hey, wait, wow, I have to hear it again. I just meant I think there's more chord changes. Oh, you think there's more chord changes? Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot. You hear him like slamming on these chords in the background. Yeah, so the timing is like, Mm. hey, Mr. He And he leaves out a few words because he says, I thought we had a deal. Not, I thought you said we had a deal. I always think it's fun when you cram more words into a small space, which Linnell Linnell is very good at. (laughs) That's something he seems to enjoy. Well, it's all about the syllables. Yeah, it's all all about the syllables. You know that song. Baby. (laughs) And I also think it's it's got kind of, it's almost kind of got like a a video game sound, (laughs) like a little Donkey Kong kind of sound to it, you know? Donkey Kong, you say? I really like that whistling sound. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So you've got a nice little melody in between the two verses. uh, Like... (laughs) Love whistling. I really like the little variation in the the melody. It's, you know, it almost sounds like something like improvised in the moment or something. Uh, And then let's let's just listen to the second verse quickly. Yeah. I wonder when they're going to clean up the mess. And the rabbit shadow still tuning in. Yeah, there's more emphasis on the haze. Yeah. <laughs> it's not one long sentence. Exactly. And then the end is different, right? End is a little different. Yeah, so I love this this ending. This is very video game. <laughs> yeah, it really reminds me of like you got the star and you're running as fast as you can or the time's running out in the level. Yeah, yeah. Um, time's running out. So yeah, that, that ending's really fun. I gotta say again, like it's just thank you to the the, the fans who recorded this stuff and and I, damn you fans who didn't record what <laughs> must have been like a hundred other things that existed at the time. Yeah, you really were asleep at you the really wheel. really dropped the ball. Um, but thank you for this because I, I love hearing these other versions. And again, I would love to hear the real, the non-phone quality version. It must exist somewhere on some cassette. Well, I think or you something. and I are both obsessed with how things come into being and the process, yeah. the creative process, and the birds and the bees, <laughs> and the flowers and the trees. Yeah, and it, that's it is interesting. And you know, it, it I could see like Linnell doing the, those key, crazy keyboard lines at the end and being like, "This will be guitar rocking out," right? You know, which it ends up being. Um, but it has it has value on its own because well, you know it's, it's fun. Um, I love seeing other people's thought process and how they bring something to light. But mm-hmm. when it comes to me revealing that, it's just I can't I can't let it go. That's it's like funny. I don't want anybody to see how I. That's funny because they've they might be giants have said something like that. Like they like Linnell I think said in an interview like 
oh, I love getting like hearing the demos and stuff, but I don't really want to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sort of the opposite, though. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, so I I put out an album and I was actually compiling a demo version of the album to put on Bandcamp for free. Mm. So I thought it'd be fun and interesting and kind of like an ego stroke for myself. But you don't say I was listening to all these rough versions of the songs and very rough. And I'm like, I I think it's nice. I don't know. I've always. I've always been about sharing all that stuff. I think it's interesting. I mean, I have demos of every song that I've recorded because, yeah. you know, we do the demos together. Yeah, I record Dave's demos. And I don't think I would ever let anyone. <laughs> I mean, they're for some the Some of band. them are pretty damn good. No, some of them are like 90% there, but yeah, yeah. Uh, still something about it. I can't. There's one I really like. <laughs> that I bought a new uh, preamp for my microphone, and the first demo I, I th- first thing I made with that was one of Dave's demos, and I was like, "Oh my god, it sounds amazing!" <laughs> like the guitars and voice really popped out it's this time. Mostly just for the other guys in the band to learn it, and just for me to have a reference point mm-hmm. for recording. But I don't know. I don't. I think if you want to put stuff out, it's like let let the stuff that you put out be what you put out. Let yeah. the stuff. Showing the process, that's for you. Dave loves to put out. So at the end of this MP3, it just has no response. At the end of this MP3. Well, I'm frowning. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to make sure, like, I want to be as comprehensive as possible. And so this MP3 has a little tag at the end from Flansburg, as he would commonly do at the end of Dial-A-Songs. Never Linnell. You ever think about that? All the time. I guess because it's Flansburg's apartment, so he's. Mm. It's kind of like with the podcast, like it's it's in my yeah. apartment, it's in my bedroom, which is why I mainly take control of of the editing and all that. But I'm gonna start sneaking in here in the middle of the night. Yeah, <laughs> that would I welcome that. I've <laughs> um, got time to do that. Flansburg, Flansburg always, you know, um, or often did the little tags at the beginning or end of the dialogue songs, and let's listen to the one at the end of Hey Mr. DJ. We're on the road. Come see us perform live in the United States and buy our new record, Lincoln. It's available in record stores right now on Bar None Restless Records. That's right. They might be joining us to have a new album out, and it's in stores right now. Thank you for calling. Call back tomorrow. Bye-bye. Not one of the funnier ones. <laughs> it's pretty, I thought it was hilarious. pretty straightforward. There's a funny one coming up, though. I, I always love listening to that also because it is kind of like that grassroots, like he's just directly yeah. telling you. It's kind of like he does the vibe reports now, yeah, yeah. which have replaced that. And the vibe reports are just like him taking out his phone and doing a video and talking into it. Uh, well, as we've said, he's a gregarious personality. Yeah. He likes to talk. He likes to have people listen. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say also, uh, you know, Linnell doesn't really tweet or do the social media. So I guess he was yeah. always you know, what's funny? a little more hands off. He'd probably be so good at it. So he answered a question on the Tumblr recently, yeah. which has only happened once <laughs> this time. So Linnell answered a question about his bass clarinet and it's like so witty. And he says he talks about one of his clarinets being kind of like the Terminator skeleton after his flesh has been burned off if he had been a clarinet. <laughs> it's like... I can imagine, like, I would never wish Twitter on Linnell because I don't want to ruin his life <laughs> the way it's ruined every, so many people's lives. But I just think he'd be probably very interesting and funny. So I know that kind of sounds like conjecture, but he's a funny guy. I'm just going to go out on a limb and maybe say it takes a lot for him to, you know, make those kinds of comments. And yeah, yeah. maybe it's just, a, I don't know, an energy thing. Yeah, I, I totally can relate. <laughs> to that. It takes me a lot to write out something and I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I'm always kind of caught. I feel like in between the two of them is my my um, drive because I'll I'll have these Flansbergian drives. Like I want to do a podcast. I want to do all this stuff. I want to compile all these things and work on all these things. But then I I definitely have the like Linnellian 
<laughs> just kind of yeah being a little more private about yeah. it and kind of letting things sit for a while and thinking that i'm lazy like which linnell thinks he is but yeah. but we're if we look at our output over the years like clearly we're not lazy like i think it's a self-preservation thing i think you don't want to give up so much energy to your public or your public persona and you want to maybe put that energy into your mm. song craft or your songwriting to your art uh, you know, there's a finite amount of energy throughout the day. And it's like, if you're <laughs> taking all this energy to have this other side of you, then maybe you're not going to be working as hard later on your own things. I don't know. That's a really good point. So let's let's very briefly just play Hey Mr. DJ version two, which again, you what do you think, you guys? Do you think this is the miscellaneous team version? You guys... Sounds higher. So yeah, I, I think I feel like it's it might be it's sped up a little. These, yeah. So these are old bootlegs. Some of them I can tell are slowed down or sped up slightly. Maybe not from the band's intention, but just from being on an old cassette or something. Mm. So it sounds a little bit higher pitched, um, but it really sounds like the same. It might possibly be a different vocal performance, mm. but it's hard to tell. What do you guys think? Email, email us, us at don't let's start podcast. Is that really our Gmail at gmail.com? Don't let's start podcast. Yeah. At don't let's start podcast at gmail.com and tell us what you think. Do you think that's the same version? What do you think? Hey, Mr. DJ, I thought you said we had a deal. I thought you said you scratch my back and I'll scratch your record. And I thought you said we had a deal. So we're not going to talk too much about that version because it really just sounds like the same as the And what the album. fuck do you want from us? And I guess what interests me more about that is just that they would they took off the older version, they finished it, they finished the song with guitars and all that stuff, and then put on the newer version. You know, sometimes it's weird. Like, they, they did start doing, like, putting on finished versions on Dial-A-Song. They did that around, like, Mink Car and The Spine. And, yeah. and it's kind of like, well, why would I... <laughs> I, to me, dial song is best when it's for these rough demos and I'm not as excited when, like, I remember calling and hearing like, oh, it's a song from an album. Yeah, yeah. I don't really care as much. I can listen to it anytime. The next uh, Dial-A-Song and the last Dial-A-Song for Miscellaneous T is I'll Sink Manhattan. And this is a goodie. Yeah, Dave, I, I thought when I was listening to this, I thought this, I thought you'd be a fan of this version. Uh, let's listen to this. Yeah. This is very different, and it's it's got a lot of merit on its own, I think. I'll think Happy 
Dave is fucking air guitaring like furiously. It's pretty awesome. I, I really like this version a lot. It has mm-hmm. almost a uh, mariachi feel to uh, it. Yes, yes. That's ah, what I was, yes. I, I was trying to find, like, mm. what does this remind me of? Yeah. Yeah, you could see him in a... Like a, the three amigos. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> That's the, my uh, re- main reference point. The acoustic guitar and the strumming. The strumming pattern. I love the strumming on it. Yeah, great um, strumming. It's funny. I, there's a couple dial of songs like this where it's Flansburg just by himself, mostly with a guitar, and I'm just like, you know, in another world, he would, he could, I could see him as the singer songwriter guy with just a guitar. I've actually, we saw him do a show like that once. Yeah, we were just talking about that. Yeah, we saw Flansburg do a solo show at uh, Pianos, at Pianos Bar in Manhattan, Ludlow Street. Ludlow Street. Ludlow. Word. And uh, he was opening. This was very odd for a bunch of comedians. So it was a comedy show that was called Tinkle. <laughs> That's right? right. It was called Tinkle. Yeah. So this so this show was called Tinkle, and it was David Cross, Todd Barry, and John Benjamin. It was a three of them doing like a weekly. It was like Sunday nights, I think. Um, it didn't last though. No, it was it, it's it probably too complicated. Did not last too long, but uh, they did a weekly comedy show for a while with guests and and stand up. But what a lineup to see, especially yeah. And, so it was almost like catered to us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was kind of insane because I was, I was a huge Mr. Show put, fan. Big put like Charles Dr. Burns Katz in there or something. Yeah. <laughs> Not all be happy. Yeah. Um, so Landsberg was like the musical guest. And I remember we were going there and we were like, what is this even going to yeah, be? Yeah. And what it ended up being, he did a few monopuff yeah. songs, which makes sense. Uh, I thought it would have been cool to do They Might Be Giant songs too. But he was very funny too. Yeah, he, he joked around between the songs. He seemed pretty out of his comfort zone. I remember this. Which is funny because he seemed to fit in very well. Yeah. <laughs> and the audience loved him is what I remember. I remember it being a positive, positive vibe, but I also remember him being kind of like he was a little awkward uh but i thought it was cute well, whenever you combine like comedy and music like you know sometimes you have a more funny act like a mm-hmm. tenacious d type or something you might have a stand-up open for them. yeah and he That's did a little weird he also did the versions of the songs he did were shorter like he cut out a verse he basically <laughs> did like dial a song versions of of the monopuff songs where he only did like one verse a chorus and maybe another you got cold feet yeah i don't know i don't know he didn't he did seem to kind of want to leave the stage um <laughs> but uh, so yeah, like the, this version of All Sync Manhattan has has this like singer songwriter, you know, acoustic guitar strumming Flansburg vibe, and I would almost say that it, it was like him just recording directly to the machine. But then you do have that overdub. You have these like a, yeah. it's almost like a bass line. It's kind of what Linnell would be doing and on the saxophone and in the live versions that we've we have talked about a little. Like he's my lower half You laugh, now you're gonna cry So it is actually like a demo with an overdub track. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to hear the, the full, full feeling recording of this, not over the phone. But I do think the phone quality does add <laughs> kind of a mystique, right? Jordan, how do you feel about this version changing the context of maybe the lyrics and the, just the feel of the song in general. Do you think it fits mm. possibly more? It feels a little the more serious. Yeah. yeah. Um, it feels a little more raw. Yeah. And it, it feels like not as uh, arch, <laughs> right? And like ironic maybe. Yeah. And I like that. I like that a lot. It's kind of like what I was saying, like that Flansburg lately has been writing some more sincere mm-hmm. sounding, sadder songs, wistful. Um, and this this actually does add that. You know, it adds that element. 
And I, I also want to say, you heard it before, but I, I love the intro. It's just him strumming for a while, yeah. getting into the vibe. It feels kind of loose and improvised, maybe. Like, it's not like he planned it. I don't know. We're just guessing, of course. But um, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Didn't know I lived under him. I was always making racket. Uh, a racket. <laughs> and always now, making racket. <laughs> now let's let's listen to the chorus because the chorus is super awesome in this version. A river of tiny tears flow from your crocodile eyes. Too late to apologize, I say, as flood waters rise. I'll sink. Yeah, I was rocking out to that chorus, man. Yeah, those high, those tremolo, not tremolo. What would you call it? I guess you could say tremolo, yeah. Just the rapid. Um, I can't do that. You can do that. Yeah, Dave's. <laughs> that's my that's my bread and butter. Dave is a bass player in a punk band. He can do that. I I find it really hard to do. You know what song has that? Is like don't worry about the government. The Talking Head song. Mm-hmm. It's like and I I would practice it and practice it. I just can't. Yeah, it's so awkward. It's like my fingers can't do it. Do. How the hell do you do it? I don't that's get also it. a very metal thing, actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you put distortion and overdrive on that, though, that would be metal yeah. uh, <laughs> rhythm guitar right there. Yeah. So it, it, it's it is cool to hear Flansburg's playing so stripped down. You could really hear what his his fingers are doing. It's possible I just don't have any bones in my wrist anymore. <laughs> Maybe that's why I can do it. I can do that like all. That's crazy. Day. I just can't do. It. It's the timing. It's that I. You know, I just lose. I lose it. That strumming stuff just takes practice. I'll sink Manhattan. Yes, I'll sacrifice friends. I think they'd understand my plan. I'll never be sure. By the way, this this the quality of this version is fantastic. Uh, as far as phone recordings go, this is someone that. Uh, really generously provided a bunch of these recordings. He popped up on the Facebook group not long ago. And he's like, hey, guys, I recorded a bunch of songs. Anyone interested? And everyone's like, yes. You think that was Flansburg? No, <laughs> it wasn't. He's, he talked a little bit, of, I think, about how he recorded it. But it was like the, the real deal, like really like not a tape recorder up to a phone, but it was like plugged in and all that, you know, as as clean a transfer of their phone to our ears as is possible. Hi, this is the bald guy of They Might Be Giants. Thank you for calling our dial song service. 25 hours a day, six days a week. Diet music at the end of the tunnel for a new generation. Thank you for calling. We've got a new record out available in stores called Lincoln. Please buy it early and often. Thank you. Call back tomorrow for a new song. And we're on tour. We're going to be in your hometown really soon, so come see us perform. Or just buy our record, Lincoln. Thanks for calling. See you later. Bye-bye. The bald guy. Yeah, so that's clearly a off-the-cuff remark. Um, yeah, I love I love that. I love hearing all these little um, things of him joking around after the song. Palling around. Palling around. 
pal Flanzy. Did we have uh, <laughs> another thing to listen to? Yes. So there's one more thing I wanted to play. So yeah. now some of you might be going, but there's other miscellaneous tea demos. So we are uh, going to talk about those songs in the future as they are part of their demo album and Franco Tool show. So we, we, we are con- we're confirming we are doing episodes about those things, and I, I think it'll be fun. So too. just calm the fuck down. But there is one. Uh, miscellaneous tea demo that we've talked about in the past, but I want to give our full attention to, and it's what it's labeled as is it's not my birthday Lincoln demo. And I'm so interested in this and the origins of this. I believe Bill Krauss himself provided this to fans. Hi, Bill. Hi, Bill. We miss you. Yeah, I hope you're doing all right. We wish you well, yes. I have this in a a folder on my computer called like Bill Krause demos. Uh, So I think it's something he gave the fans to to check out. So let's listen to the It's Not My Birthday Lincoln demo. I like this one a lot. Well, the rain falls down without my help. I'm afraid and my lawn gets wet though I've withheld my consent. When this gray world crumbles like a cake. I'll be hanging from the hook That I'll never see that recipe again As I walk, I think about a new way to walk As I think I'm using up the time left to think And this train keeps rolling Okay, so there's a lot, <laughs> lot to talk about here I like this arrangement a lot I like how the bass is so prominent Yeah uh, Not to be a cliche The sweet accordion that comes in the, When the accordion comes in, it's very soothing It's very nice it's very sweet sounding. It is a different vibe. Probably. The vibe is is the is kind of the Lincoln vibe yeah. of that uh, blonky, b- bouncy, plonky bass. Blanca, <laughs> um, kind of bouncing around the bung bung bung, right. you know. And it's a little more. It works though. I can't tell if the the tempo is faster or it just feels faster because of the the way of the arrangement is the, mm. the bass and. I don't think so. And the the kick drum, it definitely feels super unfinished, right? Mm-hmm. So this is, I don't think this, this was never a demo they intended for people to hear. So apologies if the band has an issue with it, but being that Bill Krause uh, gave it to the fans, I, I feel like it's okay because he's part of the recording process mm. too. But yeah, it's a, it's a lot more spunky <laughs> and upbeat vibe. Whereas the, the version on miscellaneous T is like a folky. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, you know, I, I prefer the, the finished version. Sure. Um, because it feels more full and complete. I feel like it says a lot that they were like, wait, let's go a little out of our comfort zone. And sure, instead sure. of making this sound like the other songs on Lincoln, let's do this folky, acoustic-y feel, which, the, you know, th- they haven't really done a lot. Of. And maybe the lyrics merited that kind of a mix. Yeah, I think maybe there is something about that. Or just the general feel, if not the lyrics. This goes back to uh, many discussions we've had about sequencing albums and yeah. what fits in them and what doesn't. Yeah. And, uh, the idea of the B-side. The idea that this was for Lincoln. Yeah. If it's called Lincoln Demo, you know, they were. I, I don't know if that meant that this happened while they were recording Lincoln proper. Or just didn't make the cut. Yeah, I think a lot of what happens, and I've heard a band say this, is like, oh, we started it and we ran out of time. So we just went with the 12 tracks we finished. Mm. And, you know, I've, I've heard bands say that a few times. So I bet I, it seems like that's what happened here. So this seems like it was recorded in a studio that they were recording Lincoln, right? Yeah. And the original version, or the real version on the They'll Need a Crane EP, uh, the liner notes say that EP was recorded at Hello Studios, Brooklyn, which I believe is Flansburg's <laughs> apartment. That makes sense. It's funny because you almost have more high quality arra- you know, arrangement going on for the Lincoln demo because it's like seems like a studio 
recording, an unfinished studio recording, whereas the one at home is more like literally in an apartment. But mm-hmm. I, I think the other one just may probably because it's mastered and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It does sound fuller and nicer. Um, let's listen to the chorus. The chorus is and the, the next verse are pretty interesting. Let's talk about that chorus. Yeah, what do you think of that? Um, it's really hyperactive, and it almost feels more like a first album thing than yes. Lincoln. Because Lincoln, we we talked a lot about. It's got a little bit more of a mellow, uh, soulful vibe, and that reminds me of like everything right is wrong again. Or, I like it. Yeah, I like it too. But maybe I, it, not for that song. It's funny coming into it, you know. In context, it, it feels a little distracting because yeah. it's like all you can really hear is <laughs> just that insane arrangement. It is interesting to me that they would then re- reject all that and do a more, I guess, like for lack of a better word, like normal version of the song. Like a, a, the version of the song is not showing how quirky they are. It's just sounds it's like it just sounds like music. <laughs> it sounds like a normal band. But I think that really fits. I think that works. Let us just listen to the last verse because there's some wacky guitar playing here. Mm-hmm. So I'm rattling the bars around this drink tank discreetly. I should pour through the keyhole or evaporate the But there'd be no percentage and there'd be no proof. And the sound upon the roof is only wide. That feels a little like placeholder guitar playing, like Flansburg was going to mm. be like, we'll do something later that's a little more on point, right? It feels a little off to me. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's that was the finished thing that they wanted there. Maybe they wanted to drop some instruments out just to have some contrast. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because this, this version of the song is really emphasizing... I guess, I don't know, the, the eighth notes or the quarter notes or whatever the hell, it's doing all the fast stuff that's under the, the surface. Yeah, 16th notes even. Even the 30 fucking two notes. I think that's the most. Is that the most? 64, I think, is the most. 96. I've seen, hundred Sold. A lot of notes. So yeah, Flansburg, it's kind of like the Alsink Manhattan thing. He's doing that fast freaking finger ficking freaking things again. Um, fast finger How do you do it, Flans? Um, but I, I honestly, I don't think it fits that part of the song. It, mm-hmm. It's a little, like I said, a little distracting. And then the, the next part has something that I really like, which I almost think could be in the, in the final version. Let's listen. So we've got kind of a strangely timed piano chords mm. being hit. Um, I, I don't, I don't mind those. I kind of like them. Um, it's a weird vibe for the song. I'm gonna say I do mind them, just to mm. give us something to talk about. The it's not my birthday battle. <laughs> it's gonna end the show. I think they're a little distracting. I like the, um, I guess what you would call is like the whatever he's playing. It's the chord is a cool way to do the chord. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like the bass notes and the, the whole thing that he's doing on the piano. I'm a musician, folks. Um, <laughs> I see that. Uh, but I, I think it's it's weird. The timing is weird, especially that last one. I think one. that's what's throwing me off. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, throw it out. <laughs> I could see them being a little embarrassed by this, uh, but I think it's super 
interesting and, it, and it's, it's full of creative ideas. It's just not quite. And honestly, hearing the, it, it, what one might think is the inferior versions, the early versions of the song, it only just shows how talented and skilled they are that they push themselves to do what the one we all know, right? right. It shows the, the fortitude of like, no, we can do better. Well, that's a very important skill to have yeah. as an artist. And I don't, yeah, I don't think I have it very well. I like just, when I finish something, I'm like, that's it, it's done. <laughs> and I like want to just I think never... maybe I do it too much. Yeah. <laughs> I think I took it too far. Yeah, Dave is the other way. I'm sort of just like, oh, I like that demo a lot. I'm just going to leave it. Well, that's why I asked Joshua Freed. I was like, mm. you know, how do you know when it's done? <laughs> mm. Especially for, a, you know, that kind of remix thing where it's like, you could add stuff forever. Yeah, you could and play with a song so, like that all, you know, all night I, long, so, baby. Some of my favorite artists really know like, uh, okay, this is like, this is exactly how this should be. No questions asked. It could never have been another way. And um, I want to do a little, a little funny life update. We should have talked about this. We, me and Dave went to see Joshua Freed perform. Oh yeah. We should talk about that a little. Yeah, that was really fun. We saw him at a, a weird secret <laughs> location in Brooklyn that he yeah. told us not to tell the address. So here it is. Uh, no, but it was like a kind of a hidden venue. Yeah. Um, every, you know, all sorts of debauchery <laughs> was allowed, smoking and all that stuff. And That uh, was the weirdest thing I've experienced in a long time. Yeah, you know. Smoking indoors in New York. I've got to say, like, me and Dave are in our, like, mid-going-on late 30s. <laughs> And we don't really go to things anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. We used to go into Manhattan all the time and see comedy shows and music shows and all that stuff. We you've definitely slowed down on that, which I think is happens. So right? we've been doing more actually lately. We've been trying to. <laughs> well, so me and Dave, we actually talked about this in the car when we were going. They were like, we should like say yes to doing things and go to things. And that was one of the reasons. It was sort of last minute. But I was like, do you want to go to Joshua Freed's show? And we did, and I'm glad we did because it was very memorable. Um, it was it was Radio Wonderland is mm -hmm. his his show, and it was really fun to watch him do what he does yeah. in person. Um, he walks around the crowd with the holding the boombox over his head, the stereo. He has people change the radio dial. People were dancing. People were dancing. Um, I was not. Uh, no, we were not dancing. Me through and, no fault of his. Me and Dave. Do we sound like we're people who? <laughs> dance we're we're not i try to move as little as possible in general yeah um you know like the the three men and a baby ghost thing you know <laughs> that's what dave looks like he's just like still cut out he's like a blurry <laughs> cut out in the background that's fair but it was it was a good time and we it was fun to say hi to joshua again when i found the bar it was great. Yeah. I had little plastic cups of water, which is what I do in a bar because <laughs> I don't drink really, but it was, it was fun. And I just wanted to talk about that a little. So the, the end of this, it's not my birthday song, just to finish it up. It ends with a little piano frill. To really bring it home. Yeah, and I, again, it feels a little out of character for the song. It just feels, I don't know, it's its funny because people say like, oh, they might be giant songs are, are depressing, but they sound so fun and funny and happy. This would be an example of that with this song. This is a version of the song that sounds really, really upbeat and hyper and happy and is, is more in the spirit of like their first album. I like that they went with a more like naturalistic feel hmm. for it. I mean, it does have the fake drums and stuff, but they're brush, they're fake brush drums. So they sound pretty real, I have to say, <laughs> on the, the real version. 
One thing that is interesting about this It's Not My Birthday Lincoln demo is that there's a couple early live performances of the song that kind of have the same vibe as this demo, similar arrangement, similar punchiness and, and that kick drum. So I'm going to, I'll play a clip of that because it's, it's interesting you that better. they were like leaning towards this, this way pretty seriously uh, until they changed gears. So here's that. But there'd be no percentage and there'd be no proof And the sand upon the roof is only wider And the rain falls down without my help I'm afraid of my longest What though I was held my complete When this gray world So yeah, those are the miscellaneous tea demos Not all of them, but those are some of them And we're gonna close out that Our tab <laughs> And uh, now we're going to do something that is well overdue, and that yes. is letterbox. I'll never know what you find when you open up your letterbox. We have a lot of emails. So some of these are going a little far back. Yeah. So <laughs> we apologize. Welcome to AOL. <laughs> uh -huh. So our, our friend Britt Barnes wrote us a while back with something about Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, remember Lincoln? So Britt Barnes says, answering Jordan's question about the mysterious purple toupee line of flying planes, I'm a big important man, I immediately thought of Howard Hughes. He was sort of the Elon Musk of his generation, a big important man, and I guess it's 60s relevant because I think by the early 60s he was on his way out of TWA. What do you <laughs> What do you make of that? I, I, I like that. <laughs> um, I've, I've seen The Aviator, <laughs> so I, still so, haven't seen so I know who he is. Um, I, I think that's a solid guess. I could see Linnell being particularly interested in the Howard Hughes story. Sure, yeah, because sure. he was a crazy kook. Howard Hughes is like a Linnell narrator if there ever was one. <laughs> I feel like he's half of Linnell's songs could be a Howard Hughes type. So I just wanted to quickly say that I like that, and thank you for, for offering that. I liked it too. That's why I wanted to read it. Thank you, Britt. One person emailed us. They signed the email Trig. They alerted me to a really cool version of Chespie's face from the John Peel show, which I've never heard before. And I've I've heard everything. So we got him. Yeah, you got me. Uh, so I wanted to play a little clip of that because I thought this was like a really cool version of the song. I really liked it. And thank you, Trig. <laughs> What's gonna happen to Chesapeake's face? There go I, but for my face All I know could be defaced By the facts in the life of Chesapeake's face I don't know where he lives Or if he knows to sail So we got an email from Brian Lease And he talked to us about going to a They Might Be Giants show A show in 1998 where they played the famous polka and as they would do often, uh, Flansburg stuck his guitar into the face of the audience and had them play his guitar during the crazy solo parts. And Brian was the one who did it. He said it's one of his favorite They Might Be Giants memories and that he kept the guitar pick and he treats it, quote, like a blessed sacrament. It meant so much to me, he said. And I was actually curious if I could find this clip of Brian mm. himself doing this. And I asked him the date of the show, and he said it was 9-28-98 Barrymore show in Wisconsin. And I found the clip, Brian. So here's you <laughs> at one of your first ever They Might Be Giant shows. And you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs>
musician has to ask themselves is, will the guitar be in tune after that song? Let's check it out. Perfect! Oh, he also says, tell Dave hi. <laughs> yes. I, I must have missed Wait, that. Wait, Dave, I forgot to tell you hi. Hi, Brian. All right. Sorry. So, so then we had another email from Elizabeth. So, you know, we're just going off again the general idea of being into bands and not being allowed to be into other bands. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and who people are into and what kind of fans are into those bands. Mm -hmm. So Elizabeth says, I don't find it odd at all to be a fan of TMBG and Metallica. The latter isn't my cup of tea. How dare you? Uh, but if I were into heavy metal, they'd probably be my main thing. I think both bands have the same heavy, dark, with beautiful, melodic resonance. Maybe Metallica has a we're-not-how-we-sound-on-the-surface quality in an analogous way to how TMBG aren't happy pop music. I'd be interested to hear Dave's thoughts. So that's me. Yeah. Um, so I wrote her back, uh, and I thought it was kind of uh, interesting what I wrote. So I'm just going to okay. read back what I wrote. Yeah, sure. Um so I, I just said, uh, I definitely think Metallica is a little more thoughtful than the average metal band sometimes, <laughs> um, or at the least had more relatable songs in a time when metal was mostly about wizards uh, and such, mm. though I am not an expert on the metal genre by any means. So basically in the 80s, a lot of metal was about like fantasy, yeah, yeah. dragons, and it wasn't about personal Larger issues. Larger than much. life. You know, your Dio's and your uh, your Black Sabbath scissors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think how you categorize them is pretty accurate. Heavy, dark, with beautiful, melodic resonance. For a thrash metal band, they are incredibly melodic with very memorable and catchy songs. I've actually tried to branch out into more metal stuff, but I find in a lot of cases, either I can't get into the vocals, yeah. I've always loved James Hetfield's Timber from the very beginning, or the songcraft, i.e. a lot of virtuosity with no hooks or substance. Yeah, yeah. Um, to me, Metallica has always had that very special combination of aggression and technique mixed in with great songwriting and just a little bit of depth sprinkled what in. What would you say is Metallica's like most deep song? I think a lot of the ones that Hetfield wrote um, about you know his depression, like... Um, well, like, <laughs> I was about to make fun of that. Now I feel bad. <laughs> well, Fade to Black was a song early on that he wrote, which was just, uh, you know, basically about suicide. Mm. Um, but it wasn't done in like a mythological or, you know, over the top way. It was very sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. Actually, that was a song that was kind of their first ballady-ish mm. kind of song where like people by their second album were already like, oh, you guys are sellouts. <laughs> like it's a very oh, dark boy. song. But then, you know, they and they got later on, like with Injustice for All, they got very disenfranchised with American politics and, you know, mm. war. And, and uh, you know, their famous song One is about a soldier coming back from war. I know just, that one. Yeah, he has no arms or legs. Yeah. Um, and he's just a vegetable, basically. Uh, I mean, these are pretty heavy things that, you know, they they really brought a more personal um, point of view to. And then what's then she has another part in the email you want me to address? What was that? Yeah, so then she talks a little bit about Weird Al. Ah. And how Weird Al kind of has a little bit of that stigma of like, oh, that's like silly. <laughs> I uh, wonder why. Kids. <laughs> well, so what does she say? What, what? She says, I remember buying a Weird Al music video VHS. The cashier sneered and raked him calling him unoriginal and fraudulent. Whoa. I was so angry at that brush off in ignorance, and I feel vindicated now that it's his, uh, with his vanity tour. Mm, yeah, I saw that tour. I went to two shows. <laughs> anyway, yes, I don't love Weird Al for his superficial silliness, but his insight and wit. 
what do you think of uh, that stigma that's attached to Weird Al? Um, do you think there really is more there, or is he just <laughs> silly? I have a lot of thoughts about Weird Al. Uh, he was the first music I ever became a fan of. Probably the same story for a lot of kids. As He was your first. He was my first. Um, him and, you know, movie scores, really. Uh, like Danny Elfman scores. So that's like my whole music history in a nutshell. So what I, the reason I'm still a fan of Weird Al and I'm not a little kid, which I can understand some people might be like, what? Is because as someone who's a songwriter, his original songs are, and this is, by the way, this is not news to anyone who, you know, has even kind of a passing knowledge of his stuff. Like me. Yeah. Um, but his original songs, some of them are, are really damn good. And they're, the, the arrangements are great. His band is great. You know, as an adult, some of the jokes don't work for you. They fall a little flat for me, yeah. but some are still pretty funny. <laughs> it's funny when a new Weird Al album comes out, it is a strange test of my loyalties because I'll be like, there'll be a song where I'm like, oh, this is just so dumb. <laughs> but then there'll be one that I'm like, that's actually a pretty damn clever. Like it, it, he kind of... Weird Al is sort of is the definition of like high highs and low lows <laughs> to me because the low lows are like, will be like a really, really dumb, That's kind of why bad I couldn't song. get into it. Sure. Them. But the high highs are songs that are like, holy freaking shit. This is like a, musically it's amazing and lyrically it's really fun. Like I, you know, a fan, a fan favorite is like Hardware Store. Right. You know that one. Yeah, yeah. That one is like mind blowing yeah, on a yeah. music, it's like classical music. <laughs> it's like a mind blowing on a musical level. And the lyrics are funny cause it is funny. It's like just about a guy who loves the hardware store and is freaking out about how great it is. And there's no really an, an intended target in the lyrics. It's just kind of the joke is, is that there's three minutes of lyrics about a hardware store. <laughs> and that's right. that's the joke, really. Here's the thing. I like his originals yeah. a lot. He's clearly <laughs> very talented. His band is amazingly talented. Yeah. Um, his song parodies are very hit or miss, like you said. Really hit or miss, yeah. And for the amount of acclaim and attention and fame, I think it's a little disproportionate to, <laughs> you know, how the song parodies are. Mm, if they mm. were, if they were incredibly mind blowing, it'd be like, yes, please, he should be, you know, I think the his, king of the world. You know, it's funny, but some of them just aren't there. I think his standards for himself have also gone higher and higher over the years. Because I, I noticed, I noticed the parodies on the new albums are like he, you can tell he's putting a lot into each one. Whereas it used to be there'd be some throwaways like, grape, like grapefruit the, diet. <laughs> That was a bad one. That's a bad one. I like at the drive-thru. The drive-thru. So yeah, he parodied um, Trapped in the Closet. I mean, that was pretty impressive to me. Yeah. um, So Trapped in the Closet, he parodied, he did like an 11-minute thing. And and his his whole um, logic behind (laughs) it was, well, Trapped in the Closet's so ridiculous. How does one parody it? So he did it. What he did is he went the total 180 and made it the most boring lyrics possible about nothing happening. (laughs) And it's just about going to the drive-thru and getting a burger. And it's, I think it's amazing. I honestly think like very worthy of acclaim. So yeah, I I do have a lot of thoughts about Weird Al. I have a lot of thoughts about they might be giants in Weird Al connecting to each other, which is a very controversial topic. What about Metallica and they might be giants? And Weird Al three-way. Yeah. They might be giants understandably shy away from the Weird Al comparison. And I, I don't like it either. I agree with them. I think it's, you know, accordions and fun music, but I, there's, to me, there's like a huge line well, he's between them. song parody. Yeah. There's just like a massive line. And the thing is about That's Weird Al, got famous for. there's song parodies, but it, it does have the spirit of They Might Be Giants, whereas they're, they're often about murder and chaos and horrible things happening. So there's a dark humor that when I was little, I loved because I didn't like silly little kid music. I liked mus- the Weird Al songs that were all about 
sure. people killing each other. <laughs> but that's not why he got famous. He got famous because one song sounded like another song. Yes, yeah, and exactly. It was, making, it was yeah, like the and Mad no Magazine. Really of, done it. I think it would have been a lot harder for him to get big on his on his own. Yeah, yeah. Non parody songs for sure. That's probably true. I know for a fact, like they might be giants. We, uh, Weird Al has said he invited them to be a musical guest on the Weird Al show, his kids show on CBS, and they said no, which I, it, it's funny because they would never do that. Now, now they would because they then they put out kids. This is before they did right. kids albums. So it's like. Well, after a time, it's just like, oh, who cares anymore? Yeah. Yeah. I think they don't. Yeah. And I know that like Weird Al bit. wanted them to open for him on one of his tours and they said no. And I get it because they said no because they don't want to be seen as. TMBG and Weird Al, two of a pair, right? And and I totally agree with them. I totally I think they should agree. open for Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> Just really fuck some shit up. And, uh, you know, people are, might uh, email us going, you didn't mention that Weird Al did a They Might Be Dying song parody. I think we'll, I will talk about that in the future. That's a big topic, actually. Because there's like, I could go through that song line by line and talk about all the TMBG <laughs> references, which I think would be really fun. But that's that'll be in the future. So, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about these two recording artists uh, in, in conjunction with each other and why they maybe don't belong together. But in a way, they do. They share a lot of the same fans. Next email. So the next email is from Matthew, Matt B. from Pennsylvania. And he he wrote about Nightgown and the Solar Moon. So we had said on the podcast, oh, there's like no Flansburg in this uh, song. And he corrected <laughs> corrected us to say that you, you know can what actually you're doing, right? you, what you know, yeah, the you shining know, yeah okay um sometimes I, I know the things i do i just i wonder like after a while when you do something when one does a reference so much you're just like what am i doing anymore that happens a lot actually um so he says how you actually can hear flansworth's guitar it's very hidden in the mix and he actually sent us a clip of re rejiggering the eq to bring out Flansburg's, uh, you know, part of the song. So I'm going to play that clip and because I think that's really interesting and I never noticed before. also berated jordan for quite a many paragraphs yeah yeah there's a lot about i'll never listen to your show again. i have never heard such language you have an annoying voice so thank you matthew because now i hear flansburg in that song and gives me a warm flanny feeling <laughs> so dave what's the next email to read here's brian again brian lease he said we could say his name brian lease like an apartment lease <laughs> and he says what's on your mind dave <laughs> uh, <laughs> brian says i wanted to point out that birds fly contains a reference to the elvis song good luck charm holy shit i At live least, for this shit i always thought it was a reference and mm. brian you are probably right i think he's right because we've got flansburg referencing guitar man the elvis song right and that's what i was thinking th listen to this people oh horseshoe Want your kiss, cause I just can't miss With a good luck charm like you Come on and be my little good luck charm You sweet delight 
So again, I have this conflict. Damn it, I wish I knew that and put it in the episode about Birds Fly, um, especially because it's just like it's one of my favorite songs and I just want to know more and more about it. But thank you, Brian, because I think this is really important. I think we have to give Brian a, a no prize. Yeah. <laughs> you know that, right? <laughs> yeah, you, I know about you that. You need a Marvel no prize. Also, he says, uh, thank you. Nope, he didn't say that. Uh, also, he says, he said, fuck you. <laughs> He says, P.S. Always happy to hear the Frank Black and Bad Religion references. Well, we're going to give you more of those. <laughs> so I love Frank Black and I love Bad Religion. Dave, did you hear the new Pixie songs coming out? Did you hear the new Bad Religion song? No. Well, then there's <laughs> your answer. Is a band we both like, though. Uh, I missed that one. So I've been missing a lot of stuff lately. They've been kind of doing lots of new songs in their latest concerts, like seven or eight new songs a night, which is crazy. And they're really, really good. One of them is really, really good. I'm like really excited about it. I'll point out, we did get a bunch of It's Not My Birthday interpretation emails. This episode's running kind of long. It's too dense to get into, honestly. But I, I want to say, thank, I mean, thank you for, for doing that. It's a song that different people could see in different ways, though they all kind of lean towards the depression, sadness yeah. aspect of it. Yeah. So I'll just say a special thanks to that. But we don't have time to go through the line by line stuff, which some people did. Oh, and also some people talked about the dust thing on Twitter. This is why we say you should email us because I cannot find the Twitter thread now because we're in the midst of recording and it's too unorganized. But uh, remember, guys, email don't let start podcast at gmail.com if you want to tell us a thought and we will consider it to talk about on the show. We got an email from uh, James in Glasgow, which I just think is cool. Uh, it's cool that all over the world people listen in to us. I don't want the world. I just want your donations. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, we got a lot of really nice emails just saying that they, people love the show. They're complimenting us. They're saying we're funny. They like our banter, Dave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> banter like that. Yep. And uh, I just want to thank you again. All right. So folks, keep those letters coming and maybe you will hear yours on a future installment of Letterbox. Now I am excited because we haven't done this in a while, but we are going to do our unrelated thing segment. I was thinking of an unrelated thing. And this is actually kind of a semi-related thing. I wanted to talk about uh, a B-side or two that we like from another band. Sure. That, that sure. would belong on a miscellaneous T compilation if, if said band would ever would do that. A lot of bands don't really do that kind of thing, actually. I notice a lot of bands I like don't have albums like that. So I recently got into Liz Fair uh, in the past year or so. That's fair. I went to see, <laughs> I went to see her live and I got into her albums and stuff. And she's got a lot of great songs that are, that are left off albums even um she's got some albums that are fairly controversial with fans uh, because well she she basically put out an album that was some many called a sellout album where it's she teamed up with the matrix which is like this songwriting team that wrote for like avril lavigne and stuff it's kind of hard to listen to because it's her it feels like she's being something she's not though she claims like this is i just thought it'd be fun i want to do it I just thought it'd be fun. Ching. Yeah. Um, so like those songs are very um, mainstream sounding. Why can't I be where I think about you? 
Then there are B-sides for that that are like her old classic stuff. Jeremy Angle lives in a tangled rent-controlled apartment with his communist family. There are books all around them. The dining room She's got a lot of really great unreleased songs or songs that were released as B-sides. And I wanted to point to one that I just think is like one of my favorite songs of hers. And I will credit, uh, Chris Tangled alerted me to the song. He wrote a blog post about this song once on his old blog. And I agree with him. It's a great song. So it's called Waiting for the Bird. I'm going to play it for Dave. The last time I spoke to my aunt before she died, she was describing to me this incredible owl that was sitting in a tree. It meant nothing to me, but it means a lot more now. song to me is very uh, TMBG-ish. It's basically waiting waiting for the bird. It's The bird is a symbol of death, you know. And I it, thought the bird was the word. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she's the lyrics are just saying, you know, last time I spoke to my aunt before she died, she, she said she saw this bird. And then she says, last time I spoke to, I think she's his uncle. Uh, my uncle before he died, he was describing this owl that he saw and then he died. And then she's like, I'm waiting for the bird. Like that's, you know, it's a, the inevitability of death and it coming in the form of this like scary bird that takes you away. And she's saying all the cigarettes and alcohol I've done over my life, like it's, it's due time, you know, it's past due to show up. I just love, this is a B-side and, and to tie it to stuff we talked about before, like this is clearly like a demo. It's like a little mm-hmm. drum machine. Her albums are usually like full band sounding, you know, well, um, sometimes, but um, I quite liked that song. Yeah, it's really good. Thank you for sharing it with me. Yeah, and check it out. Uh, there's a good YouTube playlist called like Liz Fair Unreleased. And I, I've listened to that so many times. It's like a great, a lot of great stuff there. I am not familiar. Yeah, yeah. But I liked that. Unconnected and free. No relationship to anything. Dave, what's a yeah. ah, what's a B-side that that Dave likes? Uh, my B-side comes from a Violent Femmes album called Something's Wrong, which is yeah. actually an album of some songs that were left off of Freak Magnet. The year before, yeah. So Mixed with some live tracks. This kind of is like the miscellaneous tea for yeah. Violent Femmes. Um, because Let's just say it is. <laughs> so, so like for well, so for Freak Magnet, apparently they recorded almost like two albums worth of songs. Yeah. And what they left off was kind of like, I don't know, kind of a lot of them are kind of weird or covers and weird right. versions of kind songs. Kind of a grab bag. But one of those songs, I mean, I like a lot of them. One of them really stands out, and that's a song called Yes, Oh Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so this is <laughs> this is one of my favorite Violent Femme songs, and I'm actually shocked that this was left off any album. Like Freak Magnet has songs that are not as good <laughs> yeah. as this song, which is sort of our whole point about this. So wait, let's, let's listen to some of Yes, So it scans. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Strong and 
Oh my god. So I know this is Dave's part of the segment. Yeah, no, I, keep talking. I love this song so much. And it is funny because like the other tracks on this compilation is, you know, stuff you'd expect for a B-side, like they covered My Way, the Sinatra <laughs> song. You know, alternate versions of songs, but you've got this song right, you know, right on there that's just like easily a favorite. Really, it really hits you in the the yeah. chest. Yeah, and I don't, I can't exactly put my finger on why it does that, but mm. it has this resonance and this heaviness to it. I completely know what you um, mean. Where you're just like, what is this song about? It's very important. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the chord changes or something, or the, the the guitar riffs. I don't know what it is. I know what Dave means exactly. It's like. There's something like ultra um, dramatic and mm -hmm. and attention getting about this song. So yeah, yeah that's, that's if a, I could write a song like this, I'd be happy. Yeah. Great song. Yeah, so there, there you go. You have my B-side for unrelated thing. Yeah, or semi-related thing, I guess we could yeah. call it, but whatever. I like that word, semi. Yeah. I'll be thinking of an unrelated thing. Hope you guys liked that unrelated thing. And, and if you didn't, well, if you that's didn't, on you. you could turn off the podcast now. And uh, the reason we put these things at the end is because I, I do care about people's valuable time. And I know <laughs> that a lot of people are, they might be Giants fans. You just want to hear about they might be Giants. But with that being said, the, the final segment, which you are free to, to not listen <laughs> to, is something that I've been avoiding doing on purpose. And I wanted to at least wait till we were in like the double digits with episode numbers. I can't believe we've done this many. Yeah, but this segment is one where me and Dave plug our creative and artistic endeavors, and it's called About Me. You'll be thinking about me. Me and Dave are both creative people. We're musicians, we're artists, uh, we've made films. There's a lot of stuff I, I'm very enthusiastic to tell people about, but I kind of I kind of refrain from doing it on this show for obvious reasons. But what the hell, right? This is a fun kind of hangout episode. So it's fun. A <laughs> uh, little spotlight went, went out on Dave during when he said that. Here's my plug, very quickly. I released an album in December of last year that I had been working on for almost ten years. And this is like just too special for me to keep to myself. Dave is the bass player on this album it's, and he sings backup vocals. And Hi. it's we had a band called Troubles Afoot. Troubles Afoot is also just the general name of, of how I put out music and demos and everything. So this album is called Looking for Parking, and uh, we re started recording it in like 2009. Long story short, I'm really proud of this album. It's it's 12 
fun songs. What the hell is wrong with me? you like they might be giants it's fair to say you might enjoy this album it's all short melodic fun songs i think the influence is obvious i also think there's personally i, I see a lot of violent femmes influence too right sure. um frank black was kind of like mm. really inspiring to me as like a live performer uh for a while so i see a lot of that too this song i'm really uh happy with it's called i care about you i'm dismayed i misplaced what you rocks I, like Dave you know it's my songs I, I'm proud of my songs but I got to say what Dave and our drummer Chris brought to the songs they, they really made them like real rock songs which yeah. was almost shocking at times <laughs> to me props to Chris yeah Chris that is an amazing is drummer crazy drummer crazy man crazy drummer man that was a very special uh rhythm section to be involved in I really liked uh working with Chris all this filthy air Torn up magazines A side of fries Stepped on and kicked By a thousand pairs of feet Ain't nobody on the TV Yeah, it all, it was like, it really gelled well, and I'm really proud of this album, and I'm, and we actually recorded the drums and bass for about like 23 songs, so these are 12 of them, and I'm, I'm slowly working on the rest over, over years. It's a lot of work to make an album. Did you guys know that? <laughs> it's a lot of work. So you can find this all over. I mean, you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, all that stuff, Troubles Afoot, Looking for Parking, or you could go directly to my band camp, which is troublesafoot.bandcamp.com. And it's it's there. And I just want to thank you guys for for stay, sticking around <laughs> if you did, because I've, you know, like I said, I've been refraining from the plugs, yeah. but I, we just, me and Dave make so much stuff over the years. We have a lot of stuff we want to tell you guys about. <laughs> And Dave, is there some creative work that you would like to tell our listeners about? Uh, yeah, well, as longtime listeners will know, I have a band called Dead on a Friday. <laughs> that's right. Uh, don't listen to this out of order because I have to keep mentioning it over and over again. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we put out an album, a full-length album, a few years ago that was called Thanks for Nothing. Make excuses for your life. Or face the facts and get things The, I guess you could say the single, uh, it was a song called Early Grave. It's a plague, it's a curse, it's a goddamn nightmare. 
Yeah, Early Grave was, uh, I guess, a little bit more an accessible song. I, I think the songs on Dead on a Friday albums are very accessible. Oh, D- Dave you. writes very melodic, catchy, short punk songs, and they're yeah. not—they're not screamy, no, scary punk songs. They're, they're kind of scary. fun. <laughs> they're fun. I mean, I like them, and I'm not a big punk guy. Well, also, I think maybe this one would even be just more a rock song. It's mid tempo. Mm, yeah. Um, but the exciting thing about this one is we did a music video for. Um, which I don't know, maybe one of the most, uh, proud things I've ever done with that on a Friday. Cause I think it just really came out great. And, um, our friend Adam, Adam Rosenberg, uh, shot the thing. Adam's got a nice camera. (laughs) So we, (laughs) we grab him and, and his camera and, uh, yeah, he makes the shoots go a lot smoother than they would if he wasn't there. (laughs) And well, what I really liked about it is like, it was very collaborative. I had a couple of general ideas of the feeling that I wanted for it. But when we were on location, which was just, you know, my uh, wife's house, parents' house in Long Island, you know, we were all thinking of ideas, uh, the band and Jordan and Adam and everybody. And um, well, Jordan edited it. And when he showed me like his edit, I was kind of blown away by it. It's one of the things I'm most proud of doing is editing that music video. That was a lot of you know, the, the talk about just like frame by frame obsessing over something. <laughs> but also just like the whole feel that you gave to it. I think, I mean, maybe from talking to me about what we wanted or maybe not, maybe just on your own accord. I was, you like really looked into my brain. Like I wanted yeah. this kind of, it's kind of the, the closest thing to doing a horror movie. I yeah. Think, well, you should say the get. song is kind of horror tinged and the, the music video has like a spooky feel to it. And uh, there's Ooh, some the songs just about being sad. I used a lot of outtakes in the editing. Interesting. <laughs> a lot of stuff where Ke- where Adam was moving the camera from one place to another. I was like, oh, that's a cool motion. I'll use that. And I just, I mean, I was kind of blown away that I didn't really have much like to complain about, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I saw the cut, I think Jordan did a really good job on it. And uh, it's one of the best things that Friday's ever done. So you can check out the song on all the same shit that everybody else has stuff on it. iTunes, Spotify, all that garbage. And you can check out the music video on uh, YouTube. Um, or you could, <laughs> or you could go to deadonafriday.com and I think everything is linked uh, mm-hmm. there anyway. Yeah, I'm really proud of this video. And you know, it was just a nice collaboration. Yeah. It was a nice way to bring Jordan in to my world. That's right. We're in each other's worlds all the time. Yeah. So that was About Me. So that's the episode. That's our miscellaneous tea epilogue. And 
Coming up next is some more stuff from the 80s, but we won't say what because it's a surprise. Please email us at don'tletstartpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support the show directly, you can go to anchor.fm slash don'tletstart and you'll see the purple button to do that. Yes. And I want to, to take that opportunity right now to just say thank you to the, to the people ha- who have been doing that. And the, the past few weeks, there's been a, a little bit of a rise in that. And it's yes. kind of... It's kind of overwhelming for me. It's kind of shocking. <laughs> and I, I can't quite wrap my brain around it, to be honest. I feel like this responsibility to just make the show as good as possible when, when that happens. I think that's good. Yeah, it's a good thing. And I want to seriously thank you. I don't know if anyone wants to be named or whatever, but no, yeah, no. we know who you are. And, and we know where you live. And and watch the fuck out, <laughs> motherfuckers. <Yeah. laughs> so that's going to be the show. Oh, and remember to follow us on Twitter at don't let's pod there's going to be lots of fun tweety thingies <laughs> to enjoy about things in the future and I, I spend a lot of my day preparing stuff for the twitter even for years down the line it's kind of disturbing i like took a photo of something i'm like oh that's for when we get to that album in wow. 10 years i know it's kind of crazy uh so thanks everyone dave do you have any final thoughts go and make the world your oyster 